Uh, Genesis chapter 12 this morning. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, it's great to be back preaching. I, I had a week for study leave to get ready for uh, Sunday school this fall quarter, and Dave was scheduled to preach last Sunday, so I've been uh, anxious to get back in the pulpit. I uh, hope you know I consider it one of the greatest joys and privileges in my life to be able to bring God's word to, to you here at Trinity. And uh, today we're in uh, the book of Genesis instead of Luke. We'll be in Luke tonight, so you'll have to come back tonight to, if you want to see the next passage in Luke. Genesis chapter 12, the background to uh, the passage that we're going to focus on today is the call of Abram. Uh, God chose Abram, God called Abram, God gave Abram uh, various promises and called Abram to trust and obey. And uh, we're going to see here what happens when God's people do trust and obey, but we're also going to see what happens when God's people do not trust and do not obey the Lord. And perhaps more importantly, we're also going to see something about the character of God in this passage. That in his faithfulness, that in his grace, and his love for his people, God pursues them even when they've wandered away from his will. Before we read our, our text today, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Let's pray together. Father, we look to you now as children look to their father and his servants look to the hand of their master. We we pray that your spirit would come and through the written word open our eyes to see uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we pray that as a result of our time together, you would strengthen our affections, inform our minds, transform our lives, and bring them more into conformity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen our faith. Anything stands in the way of our trusting and obeying you, we pray that with the hammer of your word, you would shatter those things. Give us understanding, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read all of chapter 12, but we will focus this morning on verses 4 through 20. Let's hear God's word together. <clears throat> now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took, his, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. 
And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this? You have done to me. Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Some of you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you much more familiar with Pilgrim's Progress than me. But if you have any familiarity with the story, then you know that the pathway to the celestial city is a straight and narrow path. As long as Christian remains on the path, then things are are okay. It doesn't mean things are easy, but things are okay. But as soon as Christian wanders off the straight and narrow way, All kinds of troubles arise in Christian's life. That's true not only in Bunyan's allegory. It's true in the believer's life. And we see this at work in the life of Abraham in this story before us today. That God God calls us. God gives us covenant promises in Jesus Christ. And and we are to trust and obey. We're We're to stay on the straight and narrow path of trusting in his promises, and obeying his commands. So why should we study Genesis chapter 12? Why why should we care about the story of of a man who lived thousands of years ago? Not just because it's God's word, but because of what God is teaching us here in this passage. It teaches us about the obedience of faith And the disobedience of unbelief. And it also teaches us about the the glorious character of God in this passage. We are going to see that God is faithful. That God is faithful to his covenant promises. That even when we at times are unfaithful, God remains true. And not only that, we're going to see that God's power guarantees God's plan. What I want us to see, first of all, as we look at this passage together and think about this, is the 
obedience of faith and the disobedience of, of unbelief. It's important we understand. It is, it is by faith that we obey God's word. And that's the picture that we see here in, in Genesis 12, uh, 4 through 9. Abram has been chosen by God and called by God and given these glorious promises by God. And, and how does Abram respond to God's calling and promises? He responds in faith by obeying God's word. And so when God told him, go, go from your country, go from, go from your clan, go from your home, and go to the land that I will show you, Abram went. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we, uh, we make obedience a really complicated matter. We, we qualify it, and we qualify it, and we qualify God's word to death. We say, well, what about this situation? What about that? How does this apply here? Does this, does this apply in this particular situation? But I think here in this picture, or here in this chapter, we're given, we're given a picture of the simplicity of the obedience of, of faith. God calls. God gives promises. God gives commands. Abram believes God's promises, and by faith, he obeys God's commands. I think it's a picture of, of being in covenant relationship with the God of our salvation. God calls Abram. God gives Abram promises. God gives Abram commands. Abram believes the promises of God, and he obeys the, the commands. And so trusting God's promises and obeying his word, Abram went, verse 5, with his wife and, and nephew Lot and and all their possessions, and Abram packs up everything and, and goes somewhere he's never gone before. I think that's important to notice, to, to understand the degree of obedience that Abram was ready to render. Imagine that. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of miles from uh, his home in a day when you couldn't hop into a car and get on the interstate and arrive within a few hours. Uh, he is going into the unknown, humanly speaking, because God has called him. God has given him promises. God has said, go from your land and to the land that I will show you. And so this is what Abram does. He left family. He even left his father behind when they lingered in Haran. And he, he went to the land that God was promising. promising. You see, he, he had to trust that God would keep his promise. And he had to obey what the Lord had said. And dear brothers and sisters, this is, this is the same pattern, the same life, the same covenant relationship that God calls us as his people to. He calls us to trust in his promises and to obey his commands. And, you know, I think one of the encouraging aspects of this story is it's not really rocket science, is it? You don't you don't have to have a, a, a PhD in theology to get this. You don't have to be a, an extremely mature believer to understand the dynamics of this relationship. It just means we need to know what the Apostle Peter in the New Testament would call the precious and very great promises of God. It means we need to know the promises that Paul says find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. 
And so we need to know the promises of God. And we need to trust the God of these promises. And then, you see, we must submit the whole of our lives to his word. That's the picture we see here. And so trusting and obeying, Abram sent uh, set out from Haran, verses uh, 5 and, and 6, and then he arrived in Canaan. We read he traveled until he got to Shechem, which is, which is in the center of the land. And God wants to now further encourage Abram and strengthen his faith. So in verse 7, God confirms his promise. Once again, he reaffirms his word to Abram. Look at it. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. That's, that's really important. Because remember, remember the promises that God gave to Abram at the beginning of this chapter, that he would, that he would make him into a great nation. Well, what do you need in order to be a great nation? First of all, you need people, and you need a place. You need descendants, and you need a land. And at this point, Abram didn't have either one. He didn't have children, and he didn't have a land. But God is coming to Abram, and and he's reaffirming his promises to assure Abraham that his word is true, that his word can be trusted. You know, that's part of what's happening when we gather together on the Lord's Day in worship, isn't it? God comes with his word as we meet with him to confirm his promises. It is a kind of covenant renewal ceremony where God's people meet with the Lord of the covenant and and he reaffirms his word to us. He he comes to us and and he says, my promises are true. you You can stake your lives upon them. He's encouraging us when we come. He he comes to Abram and he speaks these words of assurance saying, keep believing, keep going, keep obeying, keep following. Stay on the straight and narrow road, trusting my word and obeying my commands. I I think this tells us a great deal about about our God. God. God wants us to know, brothers and sisters, that we can stake our lives on his promises. Uh, and the same thing he did for Abram. God does, God does for, for us. Every time we gather together in corporate worship, every time we sit down and we read his words, he, he meets with us and he declares his promises to us as we seek to live by faith and obey his commands. Every, every Lord's day, the Lord in his grace meets with us and he says the gospel is true. My word is sure. My promises will never fail. Keep believing. Keep obeying. Keep following. Yes, following may be difficult. Yes, at times believing the promises of God may be challenging. Yes, being faithful to my word may be hard, but you're on the straight and narrow road. Keep going. Persevere. God wants his people to be assured of his word. And how does, how does Abram respond then when God gives him a confirming promise? In verses uh, 7 and 8, we see he worships. Abram worships. Look at the end of 7 and into 8. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with, the, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And so Abram obeys. He believes and he obeys. God tells him to go and he goes. God confirms his word. And Abraham, or Abram responds with, with worship. You see, Abram's trust and obedience in this story lead to what? It leads to worship. In both places, as Abram continues to believe and, and trust and follow God, he worships. Faith and obedience and worship go together in the believer's life. I think that's another important lesson because, because faith and obedience and worship go together for, for us too. As we trust in Christ and, and follow him, seeking to do all that he has commanded us, we worship. We bow down. We sing praises. We listen to his word because faith and obedience and worship go together in the believer's life. They go together in, in the Christian life. They, they are parts of covenant communion with God. We trust him. We obey him and we worship him. And friends, our great joy then ought to be, ought to be worshiping him, to, to hear his word, to pray to him, to sing praises to him, to be with God's people. And in our worship then, if, that's, if, if, if we're engaged in that, our worship really reinforces our faith and obedience. It serves as as the means by which God uses to encourage and, and grow us in our faith and obedience. And so you see, there's this, I think, inseparable link in the Christian life between these things. If we're not worshiping God, our faith and obedience is going to suffer. We could put it, put it positively. If you, if you want to grow in your faith and obedience, then, then you want to commit yourself to worshiping the Lord. That's one of the reasons why if you're not regularly present here at Trinity, I and, and your elders are concerned about you. you know, we, we, we miss you. Yes, you know, we, we, we love to see you here, to, to be with you, but we're also, we're also concerned about you spiritually because we understand this dynamic that we see in Genesis 12, that faith and obedience and worship go together in the Christian life. So there are important lessons, I think, about the obedience of faith here, but there are also some lessons about the disobedience of unbelief. And that's where the story turns in verse 9 and following. I, I think it's interesting to, to notice here that as Moses is telling the story up till now in the promised land, where, wherever Abram has gone, he has, he's worshipped. He's worshipped the Lord. But when we get to the Negev, there is no mention of worship. And then what quickly follows is the story of, of Abram's faltering faith and, and his disobedience. I'm going to make a case for that here in just a second, why his going to Egypt was an act of disobedience. But I think there's another important lesson here and for the Christian life, because when we start to take our focus off of God's promises and God's word, then we are going to go off the narrow and straight path. We could say that when we trust in someone or something 
more than we trust in God and his word, then we're going to disobey God. I think in a sense, that's really what's at the root of, of all of our sin, if you think about it for, for a minute, moment. We believe that that thing or that person or that action can give us what we believe we need instead of faith and obedience to God. And this is what Abram does. He, he disobeys God because he leaves off trusting God to keep his word. And we see that in the fact that Abram went down to sojourn in the land of Egypt because there was a severe famine in the land. That word, that word sojourn is telling us more than Abram was just going to get some food and then return to the, the promised land. No, we're being told that Abram and his company were going to go down to Egypt and they were going to settle in there at least for, for a while. Now, if you were an Israelite reading the book of Genesis or hearing the book of Genesis read to you, you know, alarm bells would be going off in your mind. Because who did Moses write this book for? He, he wrote it for those who had who'd been brought out of bondage and slavery in the land of Egypt. To them, Egypt represented slavery and bondage and even, and even sin. And so as we read that Abram is going down to the land of Egypt, we should be thinking, this is not good. This is bad, what Abram is doing. And yet this is where he's going to, to sojourn. He left the land of promise because of a famine and planned to settle in there. But I think it's also clearly wrong when we consider that the Lord has promised to, to lead Abram. And each time, that, you know, when, when Abram leaves from Haran, the Lord reveals himself to Abram and says, go, keep going, don't, don't settle in here. I'm leading you to Canaan. The Lord spoke to Abram. Now, what's missing in these verses? Abram doesn't hear anything from the Lord. This is, this is Abram making a decision on his own. There's no word from God. This is Abram making his own, own decisions without the word of the Lord. And so notice what he does. You know, circumstances are, are difficult for sure. Negev is already a dry region. Now, with a famine, one can only imagine what life is like. He looks at his situation and he says, I, I've got to fix this. God isn't doing anything about it, so I, I, gotta, I need to take matters into my own hands. And I think what he's doing is he's taking his eyes off of God and his promises, and he's relying on his own ability to, to, to fix the situation. I think here's a, another lesson for the Christian life. Whenever we take our eyes off of the word and promises and commandments of God, we are going to wander off the narrow path and to make our own decision. And as this story makes very clear, trouble is not far away then. I think there's another lesson, though, we can take away from this, and it's sin begets sin. Sin gives birth to sin. Sin leads to greater sin. And we see that unfold in, in this story as Abram is making his way to Egypt, and as he's nearing the borders of Egypt, he starts to think about uh, the situation. And my, my wife's a pretty, pretty lady. She's gorgeous. And if people in Egypt see her and know that I'm her husband, they're just going to and claim her for themselves. And so Abram starts scheming. He starts making up his, 
his own plan. And you look at what he says to uh, Sarai in verses 11 and 12 when he's about to enter Egypt. He said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So, so Abram formulates a plan on his own. He tells Sarai to tell a, I, I guess you could say a half-truth, because they do share the same father, but it's a half-truth intended to deceive. He's asking his wife to, to lie, to, to sin on his behalf. And so he wants her to intentionally deceive and to protect his, his own hide. And you see, this is where unbelief and disobedience lead us. Abram has forgotten God's promises. He's forgotten God's commands. Not, not just the promise about the land, but do you remember back in, I think it's verse 3, God promised protection. God promised that he would be with Abram, that whoever blesses you, I will bless, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Abram's forgetting that promise, and he's trying to take matters into his own hands. And so he formulates this plan, a plan that compels Sarai to tell this half-truth in order to deceive, which is lying, and a plan that really puts Sarai at potentially... a potentially compromising situ- situation. Now, I think, though, we should, I think we should be careful about suggesting what, what Abram's motives are. Some people, I think, are, are pretty harsh with Abram. You know, he's just throwing Sarai under the bus. Some people will say, throwing her to the dogs. I don't, I don't think it's quite that sinister. Actually, I think this is a calculated move on Abram's part because the the social customs of this time would have required uh, suitors to negotiate with Sarai's brother. And so he was, at one, in one way, trying to protect himself, but he's also uh, doing it in such a way that he could at least some way control the situation if someone pursues Sarai. That is, unless, of course, uh, Pharaoh shows an interest who has the authority to take whatever he pleases. And that's exactly what happens in this story. But regardless, I I mean, I I do think Abram is worthy of criticism here because instead of loving and protecting his wife, Abram sought to protect himself first. It's an awful picture of of marriage gone wrong. And and we should really, I think, feel for Sarai here being being put in this, this awful situation where she's compelled to deceive and is, and is put into a situation where her own safety and virtue are put, put on the line. But what I want us to see is, do you, do you see how messy things get when we stop believing the promises of God and obeying his commands? Do, do, you, do you see the, the complicated webs that we try to weave when we do not follow the Lord? Do you, do you see how we, we begin to make compromises that lead us down a path when we stop trusting God and we go our own way? Do you, do you see how we hurt ourselves and, and hurt others and put others in situations where they're liable to, to sin? 
Abraham is off the straight and narrow path, and we see he's on this downward path that is leading from one degree of sin to the next. So that's one thing we need to see. Abraham makes it to Egypt. Word does get to Pharaoh about Sarai's beauty, and he, he does take her into his household. Well, commentators uh, discuss here, did, did Pharaoh actually sleep with Sarai? I don't think so, because God intervenes here in just a minute. But just like in Haran, there's this temptation of the world in Egypt. What happens? Remember in Haran, Abram acquired wealth and possessions and lingered when the Lord was telling him to go, go to the promised land. Now here he is in Egypt, and Pharaoh himself is giving him possessions and wealth. And you can see the temptation to, to linger here. And poor Sarai has been, been treated like a, a kind of a plaything and taken as possession into Pharaoh's house. When we look at the picture of this story, it's, it's awful, it's ugly, it's bleak, and in many ways it's, it's hopeless. And, and the story could end right there. But, as I said, this story not only teaches us something about the obedience of faith and the disobedience of unbelief, it also teaches us something about the character of God. And here, I think, is what it teaches us. God holds on to to losers. Uh, He's faithful to spiritual failures. He, He intervenes to protect and defend his people when they've blown it. And that's what he does here. If you look at verse 17, uh, Abram living in sin. Well, how does verse 17 start? These three great words. But the Lord. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And then you see the consequence of that down in, in verse 20. Pharaoh gave men orders concerning Abram. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. God even used the likes of Pharaoh to get Abram back on the straight and narrow path. What's a lesson here for us? I think it's this, friends. If you are, if you are in Christ Jesus today, if you are clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ, God will not let you go. God will not give up on you. God will not abandon you. God will not forsake you to your folly forever. Now, that's not an excuse for sin. But it's an anchor when we fail, isn't it? That God is faithful to his covenant promises. That not a single one who has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ will be lost. The Lord will not abandon you, even at times when we are foolish and unfaithful he is faithful where sin abounds grace abounds all the more it's not an excuse for sin but it shows and it exalts the unfathomable faithfulness and grace of of our god so we learn something here about god's faithfulness to his covenant and his promises but we also learn something else about god's character here we learn something about his power And I think a lesson we should take away from this story is that God's power guarantees God's plan. You see, 
what we, what we need to see in this story is that the, the covenant promises of God are under threat here. Think about it with me. God has promised a land. God has promised a people. God has promised a program of blessing that will ultimately be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now the promise of land is under threat because Abram in disobedience has left the land. The promise of a people is under threat because Sarai, his wife, has been taken into Pharaoh's household. And the promise of a program of blessing for the nations is under threat because Abram is walking in disobedience to the will of God. It couldn't get any worse. Abram has made a total mess of things. But you see, God intervenes and with his sovereign hand, his purposes for Abram will not fail. And the same truth, brothers and sisters, applies to us as God's people. You know, we we share in, in Abraham's faith. And with Abraham, the man of faith, we are blessed with him through faith in Jesus Christ. But let's also recognize the fact that we share in Abraham's foibles. We share in Abraham's fainting faith and failures. And here's a word of encouragement for us then. That God's purposes and God's plan and God's promises do not ultimately depend upon us. They depend upon God's sovereign will. That should be a great deal of encouragement to us. Because frankly, if the saving purposes of God depended upon us, we'd all be going to hell. But instead, God makes a plan. God gives promises and God by his sovereign might ensures that that plan comes to completion he will see to it not because we're super Christians not because we deserve it not because we've been good enough but because of his own sovereign goodness and will and grace I think that should humble us but it should also it should also give us hope Again, it doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility. It doesn't mean that our actions uh, aren't important. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our obedience. The message here is not that we should uh, be lax in obedience because God will dig us out of the mess anyway. Should, Should we sin in order that grace may abound? May it never be. God forbid, says the Apostle Paul. But the message is that it's not our faithfulness that guarantees the purposes of God. It's God's grace and God's faithfulness that guarantees it. Isn't it it good? Isn't it assuring to know that God's promises and plan don't ultimately depend upon you or me? Why why will the church go on? Why Why will you and I continue walking by faith and obedience to God's word even though we fail at times. Because God will see to it. Because God in his sovereign grace will guarantee it. Because God will not abandon you. Because even when you are unfaithful, he is faithful to his word. He will see to it. He will not abandon you. Because God keeps his promise that whosoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will never perish. They will never be lost. You see, this story, it should, it should give us incredible hope because God's power guarantees 
God's plan. And so what do we learn from Abram's story this morning? We, yes, we're called to, to trust and obey and to worship him. Those should be three defining characteristics of our lives, brothers and sisters. And when we stumble, God in his covenant faithfulness will pursue and, and seek to restore us because, because he loves us in Jesus Christ. That, that's what he did with Abram. If you go into the next chapter, in chapter 13, what, what do you see? Because God has intervened, because God displayed his power, Abram is back on the straight and narrow path. He's back in the promised land, and he's worshiping the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, one of the things I want to say to you today and remind you is that the Father loves you, and he will do what it takes to keep you on the straight and narrow path. And when, when you wander away, he will not leave you or forsake you forever. He, he will pursue you in his love. God disciplines those whom he loves. Even at times that discipline is painful, but it's a merciful discipline, isn't it? God will even use the likes of Pharaoh to rebuke his people if he needs to and get them back on the straight and narrow road. And so an application for us as, as we close, it's not to say let's go on sinning in order that grace may abound, but it should, this story should fill our hearts with, with wonder, love, and praise. Because who, who are we to receive these covenant promises that are fulfilled in Christ? Who are we to be in union and communion with a God of such steadfast love and faithfulness? How should we respond to this? Very, very simply, brothers and sisters, let's trust God, let's obey God, and let's worship him. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we do thank you for this portion of your word, which reveals so much about living in covenant relationship with you. We thank you for this portion of your word, which reveals so much about your, your character, your your grace and faithfulness and love for your people. Help us, O oh Lord, to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, to follow after him, trusting in your promises, and living our lives to the praise of your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.